Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. There's a process to falling in love, and it starts with attraction. Join Kimberly Beam Holmes and her special guests as they discuss how to become the most attractive you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as we refer to it, working on your pies. We'll teach you how to have better relationships and become more attractive to others. And maybe more importantly, to yourself. It starts with attraction and it starts now. Welcome, everyone. Happy Tuesday as we talk today about emotional attraction. And I know many of you are eager eager beavers to jump in and to get some question and some questions answered regarding emotional attraction because one of the things that i have realized over the past 5 years of really focusing on pies work and working with clients on pies specifically that 70% of people and yes i just pulled that statistic out of my mind but it's probably about right but 70% of people It's the emotional attraction that they say, that is the one I need help with. That is where I'm struggling. That is what's going to be what makes all of the difference in the world. So we are going to be diving in and getting some questions answered and your questions answered about emotional attraction today. So if anything through this pie's focus through your best self, through working on yourself physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. What I really want you all to take away is you can't control anyone else, but you, you can't control your kids. You can't control your, your husband, your wife, your friends, your business people that you work with, your coworkers, uh, your neighbor, your church friends, like you can't control anybody. You only can control through trial and error time and time again, you and your reactions and your focus. What are you going to choose to focus on? And even just that, this section, this session today is all about emotional attraction. I'll be answering those questions. But even realizing that what you focus on is going to affect how emotionally attractive you are. I know when I am focused on all of the Debbie Downer stuff, the negative Nancy, the sky is falling. When I am in that mindset, it affects not just every area of my pies because I become more depressed. I don't want to go work out. I don't want to eat right. I want to eat all of the high carb, high fat items in my pantry, right? Those comfort foods that we turn to in times of high stress. Um, When I'm focusing on all of those negative things, because that's the focus I'm choosing to have, it affects all of my pies, but it also affects my relationships. I'm, I have a shorter temper with my kids. I am less likely to lean in to my husband and, and, 
you know, want to spend time with him. And when I do spend time with him, I'm just complaining the whole time. And guess what? It's not attractive because emotional attraction is all about, do I evoke emotions within other people that they enjoy feeling? Do they like the way that they feel when they are around me? I had a friend several years ago and he just had this gift of faith. That's the, that's the only way I know how to, how to say it. Because when I was around him, it didn't matter how bad things were. He had the uncanny gift and ability to speak positivity and faith and truth into the situation. I could be the most Debbie Downer of a person but he would just lift my spirits right back because he just had that kind of spirit to him. And you know what? Everyone loved to be around him. He was one of those person that just people that just magnetized others towards him. And I don't know about you, but I want to be more like that in my life. Now, does that mean that we don't need people that we can vent to and just unleash? Absolutely. We need that. We need those safe people in our lives where we can go to them in times of frustration and just let it out, but we're not doing it on them, like towards them. We're not unleashing all of our anger, our pent up frustrations, our stress and, and directing it towards them. Uh, an example I could give of this is uh, if, if I was super stressed out, and then I see that Rob didn't do something he said he was going to do. He didn't take out the trash like he said. Well, my frustration because of everything else in life, I could easily take that out on him on that particular behavior or on a particular character trait of him, right? And that is going to lead me to be even more emotionally unattractive. What this looks like in a healthy way, in a healthy relationship with your friends, with your spouse, with whoever, is being able to go to them and say, I've had a really hard day. Can I vent to you for a while? And you're not taking out your frustration on them as a person. You're sharing and trying to unload some of your burden to where they can speak back words of truth and hope towards you. One person says, I wanted to work on a lot. So my goal was to create a daily routine. If I do not do everything on my routine for that day, I take the time to write down why I did not make that thing done for the day. That's great. That is a great positive step in the right direction. You're writing down or you're first, before you write anything down, you're envisioning what is the kind of day-to-day life I want to have. And how is that going to support me becoming the kind of person that I want to be? Because that's where it has to start. As I said back in the first session, why do you want to work on your pies? What is your underlying reason? And it may not just be one. There may be several. What is your reason for wanting to be your best physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually? And more times than not, it's going to come down to, I want better relationships and I want better health. It's really that we want to live long and prosper, right? We want to be able to have great relationships and have our health into as long as we shall live. And we want to be happy because those things help to make us happy, help us to feel happy as subjective as the word happy is. But it really, it, it, it isn't about money. It isn't about success. It's about my, my relationships and my health. 
And it's probably like that for you too. So when you get really clear on that, why, and make it important for you, then from there, that's when you begin to look at and say, then what would I want my goals to be based on my why? What do I want my daily routine to be based on my why? right? All of these things go into it. And so then by writing down your daily routine and then starting to have kind of a running tab, either on paper or in a note section on your phone where you're looking and you're saying, Hey, uh, here's why I didn't hit my goals today, or my, I didn't hit my routine today. And here's when I did hit my routine today, you're beginning to see what are the obstacles that you're encountering? What are the roadblocks that you're encountering? And then from there, you're able to pivot you're able to switch course. You're able to decide, you know, maybe some of these goals actually aren't, or some of these daily routine habits aren't as important to me as I thought because I never hit them. So maybe I should not do those at this time and really focus on this other area. Or maybe it's your chance to say, you know what, they are really important to me and I need to make some changes in my priorities in order to fit this into my routine. Patrick says, I started by eating healthier. two weeks ago. And now I'm walking a lot more, sleeping more, not being so bitter. And if I get angry, I just meditate. So I've been meditating a lot more too, writing in a journal, working less since I've been working way too much and now doing more things I enjoy. I think I've done a lot of progress, Patrick. I think you've done a lot of progress too. That is fantastic. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you for sharing. Heidi says, I've been reading scripture before I am talking to my husband, asking God to wrestle with my tongue and ask him to help me to hold back opinions. I used to just say what was on my mind. Now I am truly trying to hold back and think and respond more more neutrally. What a beautiful practice. Thank you so much for sharing that, Heidi. That's a great one. And yes, um, awesome. Simone says, I started a morning routine. I started drinking a glass of water every morning, stopped drinking coffee for the first hour or hours of the day and try to stretch or do a mini workout, even if I only have one minute. That's perfect. That is fantastic. Way to go, Simone. Levi says, a win. I had a brief and not great contact with my wife via social media for the first time in six months. Anyway, I was told by my mentor and confidant friend that I was calm, respectful, humble, and taking responsibility, aka a huge win for smart contact. Awesome. That's way to go, Levi. I think one of the best things that we can do is look at the things that may be in our lives that maybe didn't go according to plan and look at what we did well and celebrate what we did well, and then look at what could I have done better? if anything, and then celebrate that you have made that, that, uh, what's the word notation in your mind, celebrate that you've evaluated it. That's the word I'm looking for. And that you are, and that you're able to do better next time. But it also sounds like you did great with that Levi. And, uh, Yes. So Joanne, I think this was in response to the stress. I've been taking deep breaths, spending a couple of minutes a day, quickly reorganizing my day and just trying to deal with the here and now and not think too far ahead. Uh, Okay. These are all fantastic. And I'll just go quickly through the rest of them and not always give comments on them. So uh, we can get to your questions. Now, be sure to drop some questions. I see some that have come in to the Q&A, but... 
be sure and go ahead and drop some more there. I just want to say, Simone says that I'm really grateful for this course. Oh, I'm going to see my husband again after two months marriage counseling and the strategies like rewiring the brain and gratefulness have helped me. I can see positive things. I am calmer, even though I know that he won't be able to come back to me yet because of his feelings for the LO. That's awesome, Simone. Way to focus on the good way to focus on the good. Heidi says, I've been being intentional about reading the Bible and meditating on verses that help encourage me. That's awesome. Uh, And it helps me keep my attitude positive, stopping myself from focusing on those negative circumstances and going back to the positive things that I have been or that I need to focus on. So a lot about morning routine, meditating instead of looking at a screen or the news or the phone, apologizing to my family to go for going off the deep end. Um, yeah, fantastic. And then Joni says, my good habits have dropped when I went away on holiday. That happens. But since coming back, I realized I've also picked up bad habits, such as binge watching series and eating a lot of carbs. My family just catered for all my needs and fed me all the time. I have focused on limiting and dropping off this negative habits and already starting to feel empowered and building good habits again. So uh, save the date in your mind. I actually don't know when the date is, but I have an upcoming podcast episode that I recorded with a woman named Heather Thompson day. And this conversation, every single one of you are going to want to hear it. It's either airing the last week of September or the first week of October, either way, just be sure that you go and subscribe to it starts with attraction or follow. It starts with attraction, which is my podcast. If you don't know about it anywhere that you listen to podcasts, and then you'll be notified when it drops. But in this episode, we talk about what real self-care is and how, if it's something that when that when after you do it, you don't feel good or you don't feel as good about yourself, like binge watching on Netflix, right? It can feel good in the moment, but typically once we're done, it's not life-giving. It hasn't filled our soul back up. We just kind of feel more stuck than we were before. Then that is not self-care. It's the self self care are the things that we know we may not want to do, but at the end of it, we are going to feel better about ourselves and about our purpose than if we don't do it. So we go way more into detail on that and so many, so many other topics that you're going to want to hear. It, it is one of my favorite episodes that I've recorded this year. So I would highly recommend that you make sure you listen to that. All right, let's jump into some of the questions. Lawrence says, last Sunday, I celebrated my youngest son's 33rd birthday and my middle son with his family were at the celebration. My wife didn't come. When my wife first moved in with her LO over 45 months ago, she would come and join in on family get togethers. Now she never comes to any. If I text her photos, she doesn't even acknowledge them or thank me. She used to thank me for the photos. Should I stop sending her photos of family gatherings? Our sons are angry with her and ashamed of her and she vilifies them. She goes against all the morals she taught from the Bible. She even left her faith in Jesus. She led them to love and believe in. Soon after she left me, I invited her over and she came with a large kettle of homemade soup and with her LO. I was hurt and insulted and about to leave. Instead, my youngest son jumped in and told her LO to leave. They both left and she and I were both very hurt. 
my wife was under the impression that I would accept. Okay. That she left um, her new boyfriend and lifestyle and made it clear that adultery is a sin. And then uh, I'm getting lost in the thing. She stopped coming to things altogether. She will never come to any family gatherings. I made it clear that I would never accept her lifestyle of adultery, but I would always love her regardless and hope and pray that she would come back home. Since then, she has become slowly more and more cold and angry towards me. And she continues to demand that I accept her new lifestyle with her LO. Is my non-acceptance of her adulterous lifestyle such a large push behavior that I forfeit any hope of her ever coming back? How do I stick to my beliefs and values? Show her I accept how she feels about her LO, but at the same time, I don't have it within me to give up hope and prayers of her coming back. Okay, Lawrence, so there are some different issues that you're processing here, and you even shared it in different ways. So one of your questions was, should I stop texting her pictures? of family photos and events. Let's put that to the side. Because I think the real question that you're getting at here is how do I how do I accept what's going on and how do I communicate with her my acceptance or non-acceptance of what's going on? My first question to you is going to be what is your goal in this situation? And you don't say here I don't think if you're divorced or not specifically. So I don't know if you're still married and she's just continuing on in an affair or if you've officially divorced and she's continuing on in the the affair that started when you were married. But either way, what is your goal? What is your your overall goal when it comes to your wife and especially your wife's relationship with your kids? Now you said that she's vilified them and we know that when someone is experiencing limerence, that they are likely to rewrite history. They're likely to change their beliefs and values. They're likely to do a lot of these things in order to justify in their mind what they're doing. This is more than likely why she's turned away from her faith and why she's acting the way that she is, because she can't justify what she's doing and what she has taught her kids in the life that she's lived in and the beliefs and values that she used to hold, right? So keeping all of that in mind, what is your goal? If your goal is, I want to be, I want my kids to be able to still have a relationship with their mother. It sounds like they're all adults. Clearly your youngest is 33. So there may come a point where that's not up to you anymore, whether or not they can have a relationship with her. But what is up to you and what you do have control over is how you respond, how you react, how you talk about their mom, how you interact with her. If you say your goal is, I mean, you said here, I still have hope and prayers of her coming back. And you said in the chat, we're still married and the divorce is pending. You should never have to change your beliefs to acquiesce your spouse. I mean, pending that your beliefs haven't changed into being something that that isn't moral or ethical, right? But in this situation, from what you've shared, you shouldn't, there's no reason that you would have to say, you know what, you being in an affair is fine. However, I don't, maybe that is the issue, but my question to you, and I don't know the full situation, only you do, 
Okay. So you said my main goal is that she comes back to her faith and family relationships renewed. Then my question to you is going to be, how do you think that you could be a part of that? What are the behaviors that you would need to exhibit or not exhibit in order for that goal to happen? So if that goal that she comes back to her faith and her family relationships are renewed. Okay. So then what, what, what does that look like? And is that going to move you closer to your goal? So one of the things that you said at the beginning of your question is I've been texting her pictures, but she's not responding anymore. Okay. So maybe have you asked her, Hey, would you like for me to keep you in the loop when we have these family get togethers, would you like for me to send you pictures without having an expectation that she's going to respond to the pictures that you send at all? She could say, no, I don't want them. That's not on you. At this point, your only part in it is how can I be a steward of helping that goal happen? And how can I treat her with love, respect, kindness, even when I don't agree? And again, you said here, um, I made it clear that I would never accept her lifestyle of adultery. I want to, I'm sure you aren't, but just for people listening, I have to, to go back here and say, uh, make sure that you're not doing that all the time. You can make your stance clear once. And then unless it comes up again from the other person, it's not something that you have to, to go back to. If you were to take this situation out of your marriage and talk about it being your best friend who was having an affair, leaving his wife, but you wanted to continue to be there for him in all likelihood, every time you hung out together or went to get breakfast or coffee or whatever guys do together, go hunting, whatever it is, then you probably wouldn't bring up, you know, what you're doing is a sin unless at that point your friend brought it up and asked you something about it, or <clears throat> was trying to glean wisdom from you in certain areas. But if you've made your stance known once, there's no reason to make it known again. And there's also not really a reason to treat them any differently or to try and punish them based on their continued engagement with that behavior that you don't accept. Now, what I just said is different from setting any boundaries that are what we would call safeguards that offer protection, because that's different. The safeguards that offer protection are if you're doing something that's actively hurting me or actively putting our children in danger, then I'm going to put up a safeguard. But if there's not a reason to do that at this point, <clears throat> And just treat her with love and kindness and compassion doesn't mean you approve, doesn't mean you're accepting, but it means what does that look like? And you can then take that principle and decide what are the behaviors that you need to implement in order to get you closer to that goal. And I see that you said she no longer even communicates. You can still ask, but at the end of the day, it is not your responsibility to try and make her care. You can offer the opportunity and you should offer the opportunity, right? But you can't force it. And so at the end of the day, act, react, and interact in the way that leads to the you being your best self and you showing all of these principles that you want to live out, but don't 
cram it down her throat. Don't try and force her to do it because that's not going to get you anywhere either. Levi says emotional health has been a painful section to get, oh goodness, it went away. A a painful section to get through. I feel a lot of unforgiveness towards myself for having created a physically unsafe environment for my wife. Any advice? Levi, that is a great question and something that I am appreciative that you are, that you're realizing and, and struggling through, even though I know that it's really hard. Because unforgiveness, when you really truly are placing that blame and guilt on yourself, can so easily lead to shame, to a belief that I am not good enough. Not what I did wasn't good, but I am not good. And those are the things that we've got to get to the core of. Otherwise, it's going to keep you stuck in this cycle of shame. So I have a couple of recommendations for you here. First, have you forgiven? Have you ever experienced forgiveness? Have you ever personally experienced forgiveness? Or do you feel like in other areas of your life, either you have not forgiven someone else or someone else has not forgiven you? Because that can be one reason that you feel stuck. Another reason people can feel stuck here is when they're people of faith and they feel like God cannot forgive them or has not forgiven them for certain things that they've done. My dad actually wrote a book all about this topic because he dealt with a lot of guilt and shame after what he did to my mom when he divorced her. If Many of you probably know the story. And if you don't know, my dad is Dr. Joe Bean and he divorced my mom back in the 1980s left my two sisters. They were seven and 12 at the time and they were divorced for three years. And he only saw my sisters every other weekend for three years. And the, and not to mention the affair that he had, uh, he, he ended up becoming an alcoholic, drug addict, bankrupt, living out of his car, homeless. He went from being an incredibly well-known preacher to homeless, drug addict, alcoholic. This was, this is my dad. And he had a lot of guilt about that after he took my mom back, even though he turned around. He put his life back on track, but he still held a lot of that guilt. And so about 10 years after their remarriage, he wrote a book. It's called Getting Past Guilt. You can find it on Amazon if that's something that would be of interest to you. But It's really written from the point of how can I accept God's forgiveness of me so that I can forgive myself and so that I can accept other people's forgiveness of me. And whether or not you all listening have a belief in God or not, even when we look at the social sciences, even when we look at the research, there is something there about God's love, even in secular research, which points to how we all really do believe that there, there is something that's outside of us that, that we need to understand that it's 
that, that it's that the reason we're created, the reason that we are in this world, the purpose that we have is something greater than us. And when we feel like we have missed that or we're not living in line with that, that is what can throw us off. And so in secular research, it's called God's love. And when we can accept God's love for us, and when we can accept that even when we screw up, that we are fearlessly and wonderfully made, that there is a grace that surpasses all understanding, that it is not by our works that we are made whole or that we are made lovely or that we are loved. It is simply by the fact that God unconditionally loves us, even when we screw up. That is what leads to freedom. I also did a podcast on this with my dad where we talked about guilt. And so we can use that as a resource as well that I would point you to, Levi, of how do you move past guilt? How do you move past shame? And then the final thing that I'll say about this is unforgiveness. When we look at it in the research on forgiving other people, we have to realize that the person that has offended us, we have to, we have to come to terms with the fact that they are not evil incarnate, but that they are a flawed person who tried to do the best that they could, but because of their flaws did not, did not do it in the best way that they could. They were trying, but they didn't. And can we forgive them instead of trying to seek revenge? And sometimes we have to do that with ourselves as well. You are not evil incarnate. You are trying to do the best with what you have. You have made mistakes But can you not try and seek revenge on yourself in order to accept the forgiveness and move forward in becoming the person that you were created to be? I hope some of that jives in some way with you. And I would just add for my key takeaway for all of you, the fact that you're here, the fact that you're showing up, the fact that you are doing the work even if you feel like changes aren't happening. They are, because it's beginning to happen within you. So keep doing something to move you forward, little by little, every single day. Awesome. All right, I will see you all next week. Thank you so much. Have a great one.